Welcome, everybody. This is Erica. And I'm Wes Dodge. And you're listening to The Good Life If You Can Keep It, the cross-partisan podcast where democracy goes to do its push-ups. We both met each other through um, Rank the Vote Nebraska, which is an organization locally working to bring ranked choice voting to Nebraskan elections. Um, I guess we'll have Wes talk a little bit about why we chose this title, The Good Life If You Can Keep It, and what all we hope to do on this podcast. Yeah, and I think we chose it as much because we have some good nonpartisan history in Nebraska. Uh, our legislature is named after George Norris, who came up with the unicameral system of uh, government that does not stress partisanship, but stresses uh, working towards resolutions and working towards um, solutions that help everybody. Uh, we want to deal with a lot of things. Uh, we met each other through ranked choice, but there's so many things that our democracy can use for an over overhaul right now. And we're hoping to deal with a lot of those. And we're hoping to have some interesting guests. And, uh, but first we'll talk about ourselves. And I don't know, Erica, do you want to give them more in depth about you? And then I'll go more in depth about me after that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, so Okay, so a bit about me and my educational background. I am an assistant professor of practice of French at the University of Nebraska here in Lincoln. Um, I got my doctorate in French at the University of Virginia. Wahoo for those who's out there. Um, not that there are many in Nebraska. There are some, though. Oddly enough, that actually does kind of circle back into my interest in nonpartisanship and um, finding ways to make democracy a little bit more strong than it has been lately. Uh, my adjunct field was in history. I had a, well, I, I was a major in French with a minor in history here at, at UNL. And then during my master's degree, it was French literature and 19th century French history, which was my, you know, minor field. Um, and so go figure, one of the things that I have studied and taught the most has been the French Revolution. And so I'm, I'm quite sensitive to, <laughs> to seeing uh, kind of absolutist politics and, and what happens when, you know, people may have some very fine ideas, um, but when there is no kind of check from another side to, to kind of rein it in a little bit, things can get out of hand. And it doesn't much matter if it's, you know, getting out of hand from the old regime monarch uh, or if it's getting out of hand from the from the revolutionary um, leftists that, you know, guillotined a bunch of people. So big fan of meeting in the middle <laughs> and trying to reach across the proverbial aisle. Oh, speaking of, like, fun fact, Wes, I know you like history as well. Do you actually know where uh, the left and the right comes from? The aisle? From, Do you from know the, the French parliament yeah. right yeah yep, i'll yep. let you i'll let you explain it though because it's your area of expertise <laughs> i get so <laughs> pleased when i'm able to tell people this but yes so the left side of the aisle was uh, the pro-revolutionary french people and so the liberals and then the right side of the aisle was the pro-monarchy people so the the conservatives people who wanted to conserve uh, the traditions and who wanted to preserve uh the monarchy yeah, I so. think somewhere down the line, maybe we could get some guests or a guest that can kind of talk about the broadening gap of uh, income differentials between people. And I mm -hmm. think that was kind of a setup for the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. 
And we're kind of uh, working our way towards that here in the United States, which is very troubling. Uh, yep. So I, I think yep. that's something that, uh, that by doing what we do, if we get the legislators that are working for everybody, we can avoid some of those inequalities, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not have legislation and not have voting systems that, uh, that hurt that middle class that actually mm -hmm. needs to be built up instead of destroyed, mm -hmm. um, which ultimately, even though the, the people in power enjoy it while they can, ultimately it does not usually work out well. So no, no, yeah, neither for the people, neither for the uh, people yep. in power. What with the yep. guillotines and all. So another fun fact is those things. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing, especially here in Nebraska, that I'm sure people can appreciate is that if you don't protect your farmers, you could end up with a revolution anyway. There was a giant volcano actually that erupted. Uh, I believe it was in Iceland right before the French Revolution. The year before, it was a, a giant dust, well, volcanic dust cloud that came over France about 1788. Maybe it was 87. I should probably check my notes. But uh, anyway, it ruined a bunch of crops, made everybody really hungry. And not saying that caused the revolution because there are about 18,000 different things that caused, quote unquote, the French Revolution. But yeah, if you don't pay attention to your farmers and take get them taken care of, you can can really lose a society. Yep. So yep. <laughs> I have kind of three subjects that keep coming up uh, when I think about what we can do as citizens to help build the, you know, appreciation for democracy in our state and country. And those are ranked choice voting, anti-gerrymandering efforts, and trying to get big money out of politics. Uh, so Obviously, I've been focusing mostly on ranked choice voting recently. Um, several reasons for that. Like uh, Wes here said, we are a state who is very much into nonpartisanship and ranked choice voting encourages candidates to try and build coalitions and find common ground and appeal to a wider base of voters. They, instead of, you know, alienating supporters of your opponent, you want to run a campaign that encourages all voters to at least listen to you and hopefully rank you second. Let's see what else. There's gerrymandering is another one that I actually heard most about from you, Wes. I had, I'd heard about it a little bit before, but listening to you talk about, you know, the dangers of gerrymandering it, when I hear about it on other podcasts, it really makes a lot of sense why having districts that are not competitive can be very problematic because then you get candidates who are only speaking to one side of the aisle and oftentimes a very vocal and ex extreme base of that side of the aisle. And so, you know, I, I too am quite interested in getting some guests on here who know about the problems that come with gerrymandering and what efforts we can take to um, kind of step away from that. Uh, the last one, of course, is big money in politics. That one seems kind of obvious, I suppose. But I was thinking about it on a walk the other day about how um, the word elite and elitism i mean it's been around for ages but it's it obviously comes with a very negative connotation just automatically because we hear the word elite and we think rich people um which you know 
<laughs> which is also kind of sad because we don't necessarily have to think of people who have money as not inherently evil. That's not even true. But when we talk about elitism, we talk about people who have money, which means they have connections, which means they went to Ivy League schools, which means they're not getting into their positions based on their merits. They're getting in based on who they know. Um, and I, I would like to see... A, I would like to see not only just people running for office because they want to do the job and not necessarily always be on camera, um, but I would also like to see us have an opportunity to rethink what elitism means. Um, because when you think of like an elite task force, for example, with an elite just means someone who is very highly trained and specialized in whatever field they're in. And so you know, starting to think about elitism, not just in terms of being connected and really rich, but being someone who knows how to do a specific job well, I think could, could serve us well when trying to find candidates who are there to do the job instead of there to make connections. So. And as far as attacking that elitism, uh, ranked choice voting can do that in a lot of ways because you don't need all the money that you would need if you're looking to be one of two candidates that's going to represent either the Republicans or the Democrats. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. Uh, depending on what kind of system we end up with, if we end up with one that's a top four or top five system, and you're fortunate enough to get into that top four or five, mm -hmm. uh, it's not so much about the money, then you're going to get people's attention. And if there's multiple Democrats or multiple Republicans, it actually makes it more difficult for the, the people that are throwing money around to gain influence to pick who they want to um, support. And uh, they, they also have to watch out for not bad-mouthing certain people. Exactly. Because then, uh, if they do that, they're going to hurt any support they could potentially get from someone else. Mm -hmm. um, for, as far as doubling back on a little of my background to give, give people some background on me, I have undergraduate degrees in history, political science, sociology. Um, I was a guy who liked to go to school a lot and I was cheap. <laughs> and back when I went to school, if you uh, paid a certain amount of money, you could take up to 18 hours. So I always took 18 hours. So I was getting good value for my dollar. There you and go. As a result, I graduated with my undergrad, I think with like 215 hours and a couple of majors. Um, and like I said, history, political science and social sciences, which are not very sellable uh, areas to be educated in, but I also have a teaching endorsement, uh, went on to law school, have a law degree and uh, uh, have practiced law for 33 years. I actually taught in high schools for about 10 years while I was practicing law and taught civics and law studies. And uh, I've been in a, a CJA panel attorney, which means you're a, an attorney that's appointed to people charged with uh, federal crimes. And then you, you get to uh, get to represent those people in federal district court and then ultimately do appeals. Uh, so I've even had the experience of arguing appellate cases, actually won a couple of appellate cases and uh, got to argue one to Sandra Day O'Connor when she got bored after wow. she retired from the Supreme Court and she wrote the opinion and she got it wrong, but uh, it was an entertaining <laughs> experience. Nice. And, uh, so that's my educational and personal background. Um, from going through that, though, I've learned a lot of people, even some appointed judges, don't really have the knowledge that you would want them to have. And we've mm -hmm. had some real illustrations that, of that lately, where multiple judges were appointed to the bench who have never even tried a case. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which just completely blew my mind when that was going on. And then in my teaching experience, I'm amazed at how many people um, don't really have a good background at all uh, in, in our forms of government. So that's, that's motivated me to try to educate people in those regards. Mm -hmm. And then I've had uh, frustrations when I see the, the division and what it's led to, especially lately, uh, in regard to the way our, our governmental systems are working. And we need to figure out how to get more towards that George Norris work together model. Um, we can study people like LBJ, who was good at building consensuses across the aisles and doing some horse trading to get deals done that help a lot of people. And right now, uh, the way our system's set up, you have to satisfy your base, even after Trump is is uh, in the rearview mirror, people are still afraid of him because if they say the wrong thing, they're, they're afraid the base will go against them and then they won't get elected. And we have to, we have to start figuring out how to work more from the middle than the edges. Uh, Eisenhower said that uh, on the edges, you find the gutters in the middle is where, where you manage to find the movement that gets things okay. done. So uh, that's kind of my philosophy and my background. Yeah. Oh, we definitely see a lot of that, uh, Oh, political Puritan, not Puritanism, that <laughs> kind of quite the opposite political purity testing that goes on uh, coming from the left as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think that if, you know, the way the, the way that our Congress is set up this session, there's going to have to be some give um, if we if we at least want to move things forward. Senator McAllister here in Nebraska, who I consider a, a very noble man who's, again, following the nonpartisan philosophy of how to get some things done, has introduced a bill. Is it, uh, is it 125? I think it's yeah, LB 125. Mm -hmm. And uh, LB 125 uh, is setting up uh, ranked choice voting as an option in Nebraska right now. And we're hoping to see that get out of committee. Uh, a reading of the bill tells us it'll probably need some tweaks because the way it's written right now, it may not sync up with the way we need it to work with our primary system versus our general election system. But the bottom line is we're getting it out there. We're getting it so people understand it so that uh, people who can uh, organize things from biggest to littlest or from, uh, uh, you know, uh, best tasting to, to worst tasting can rank mm -hmm. things. And in this case, they'll be ranking their politicians and you don't have to give up your, your values necessarily. If, uh, you know, we're looking at the presidency, you don't have to think, uh, wow, I can't vote for Bernie Sanders because if I do, I've, I've lost my vote. Uh, I can vet, I can vote for Bernie Sanders and then I can put uh, Hillary or Joe Biden or whoever as my second pick. And I've still void, voted my conscience. So, uh, we're excited about the opportunity to have that come up for discussion in the committee meetings. Uh, we're hoping that people ultimately will uh, start reaching out to us or start reading what they need to read so they can get educated on this. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of if we're going to be ahead of the band or if we're going to be uh, following it and, uh, you know, sweeping up the, the debris. So mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely. So we are now going to pass it over to a, a recording, actually, of a uh, Rank the Vote Nebraska statewide action meeting that we had on January 7th. 
uh, where McAllister actually joined our group and introduced his bill and we took some questions from the audience. So we'll turn it over to that audio. For sure. Thank you, Wes. And say hi to my friend, Nathan, who's uh, we've been involved with numerous battles before. So good to see you as well, Nathan. Uh, yes, the bill came in today. Uh, first day of bill introduction. So the bill was turned in. Uh, and I'll take Wes's uh, uh, acknowledgement. It's 125, LB 125. So I figured this will probably be a two-year bill. Uh, we need to probably take a year and tell people what ranked choice voting really means. What's that mean? It means probably going to Rotary Clubs, Kiwanis Clubs, and describing what rank choice voting is. As you probably know, it did not succeed in Massachusetts. Uh, it's uh, in Maine and apparently in Alaska. So, you know, it's, it's a, a process that we need to in, get involved with. And uh, I'll need your help to do that. When the bill comes up for a hearing, I'll need some folks to uh, testify. So if you haven't done that, that ought to be on your bucket list. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, and I'll look forward to working with you as allies. Back to you, Wes. All right, that was quick. Uh, um, well, as far as questions are concerned, uh, when you reference it as a two-year bill, uh, that means uh, you'll introduce it this year. We'll probably have it go through committee. We'll testify and then fine tune it for next year. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. You know, since there is quite a learning curve with this bill, you know, I don't see it succeeding unless we do have some opportunity for people to really understand what it, what it does. And, you know, you don't do that just from a hearing, you know, we need to do some outreach and tell people what ranked choice voting really means. As far as questions that came in, um, Joshua asked, can you have any specifics about the bill? and what offices might it apply to? And I know we don't wanna get into too many details, but I think it'd be great for people to understand what elected positions we're talking about for ranked well, choice voting. As I understand the bill, it only applies to state of Nebraska elections and probably notably uh, the governor's race. Now, if we'd had ranked choice voting for uh, Pete Ricketts for governor in 2014, he wouldn't have won. So it does represent a major change. Um, and it's, I think it's a, it's a process that's becoming uh, something that people prefer if they understand it. So that's why we've got probably at least a year worth of uh, work to make sure that people really understand what it involves. The other thing we could probably do if it, does, it doesn't uh, succeed in the legislature, could put it on the, uh, the ballot and make it a, a constitutional amendment like they did in uh, Massachusetts. That's um, something that other states have looked at. And I know that someone here was asking about how Senator Slama's bill might <laughs> impact something like this because of course, you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I actually changed committees in order to uh, defeat her two bills that she introduced today. And I'll, I'll work hard against uh, 
the, the voter ID bill and uh, winner take all. And uh, I think that pretty well, uh, along with ranked choice voting, those, those efforts of mine are, are fairly similar. Uh, why do I support ranked uh, choice voting? Mainly because it's uh, more democratic. There's a question from someone who's wondering what to be fully informed is the way they worded it. What are the main complaints or opposition to ranked choice voting? Mainly because it's different. Uh, the other opposition point, I think, is the fact that it's uh, it's new, uh, it's different, and so I think it's going to be require some education. Uh, you know, it failed in Massachusetts, and I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, it, it worked in Maine, mainly, mainly perhaps because it's a smaller state. And we are working to expand our group so that we're across the state, so that we can help to, you know, reach all corners. Are there questions we didn't ask or anything else that you would think would be important for us to be focused on? I'll just say that when we went to the unicameral system, George Norris went around the state and put on 20,000 miles on his car and made frequent uh, appearances to tell the advantages of the uh, unicameral system. I don't see this process being much different. So uh, it's going to take all of your help. Uh, maybe we put together a slideshow so we can go to Rotary Clubs, Kiwanis Clubs, uh, tell people what it's really involved. So they can in turn, you know, tell their state senators that it's a, something we need to do. Uh, but I do, th I do appreciate the help and the fact that we've got so many people on this call, I think is fantastic. Cindy, if I can jump in. Yeah. Um, Senator, you've, you've butted heads with parties, like I mentioned in the introduction and George Norris butted heads with parties. And if I had to venture a guess, I would think there may be party pushback against this bill because I think it dilutes, uh, personally, I think it dilutes the party power, especially at the primary level. Um, and I, I've been wondering how we can address that when people uh, push, push that issue. Um, I mean, my response has often been if all of them are Republicans and you're a Republican, then you've really got a a good option there. You know, you get to pick the best Republican, but uh, it's just one, just wondering if uh, you had some sort of idea of how we could uh, address that kind of pushback that we typically. I, I'm not sure how good a Republican I am anymore, but. <laughs> Depends on who uh, you ask. <laughs> but but I, I will say that political parties uh, are uh, not in favor anymore. You see right. that in the uh, registrations, the party registrations. Uh, particularly in Douglas County, uh, you know, the independents are becoming more and more uh, a factor in elections. You know, I think in the six years I've been in the legislature, uh, the Republican registrations have, have dropped down to probably, I was eight or 9% plus Republican. I bet it's now four or 5% uh, Republican. So I think even the Democrat party is facing the same kind of, the same of, uh, people leaving uh, a uh, political party. So, you know, parties aren't as important as they used to be. That's my, that's my feeling. Thank you, Senator McAllister for making yourself available for this. Thank you for letting us uh, uh, share this uh, 
information with our listeners and, and hopefully they'll spread the word to their friends and have them watch the podcast or communicate and in a way that everybody can learn more about ranked choice. Yeah, but Wes, people don't watch podcasts, my friend. Did I say, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> you and I are watching it right now. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, so we're, we actually <laughs> decided that we're going to close out each episode with a fun little segment called Pedals and Pricks. Wes, where did we come up with that? Pedals and Pricks, <laughs> uh, what's up with I, that? I am fortunate enough to have been the father of three children, and one of my children uh, went through the scouting process. Uh, I wouldn't say he was a conventional scout by any means, but the bottom line was ultimately he became an eagle. Uh, and as a result of having to go through that process, I had to go to many campouts, which I uh, did not necessarily love, but uh, <laughs> I, I did it. And at the end of every camp out, we did something called Roses and Thorns, which we were supposed to sit around and say what was good about the camp out and what was bad about the camp out. And I figured an appropriate uh, segue for what we want to do in politics was we could have petals and pricks. And the petals would be the people who uh, are advancing our democracy and the pricks may be the ones that are uh, causing us some irritation in regard to mm -hmm. trying to accomplish a better democracy. Excellent. So, Erica, who are your pedals and pricks? Well, my pedal this week, I got to go with McAllister. I, I very much appreciate having a person right here in Nebraska who is looking to bring right choice voting to our state and who's given our organization quite a bump here because, you know, now we have... A, a, I don't want to say he's our spokesperson, but boy, it, it sure does make it a lot easier to talk to people about something like ranked choice voting when there's an actual bill being, you know, presented at the unicameral. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to working not just with our organization, but hopefully other uh, more localized organizations on our ranked choice voting uh, educational efforts. Hopefully we can get some people doing multiple languages, uh, different, you know, different community groups that can, can teach people that rank choice voting is not, it's not all that complicated. You know, I'm sure we've all seen those buzz, Buzzfeed, you know, lists. I, I think they call them listicles where they, you know, rank, you know, best they, episode they of game of thrones. Listicles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So listicles is basically the same idea, but you're <laughs> instead of raking your favorite Game of Thrones episodes, you're you're ranking your your politicians based on policy, not the smack that they talk about their competition. So, big fan of that. Who's your pedal, Wes? I've, I'm going to do a combo set for my first ones, and they're not people that you would necessarily recognize unless you hang out in our circles. Uh, I'm on the board of directors of Common Cause Nebraska, and there's a gentleman associated with that named Jack Gould, who really gets down into the uh, nitty gritty as far as what's going on in Nebraska politics. He tries to figure out who's spending money where. He tries to figure out who they're associated with so he can figure out who's trying to really pull strings. Uh, McAllister has also offered a, a second bill, which uh, it, the number escapes me right now, but it's one for transparency uh, in regard to um, donations to political parties, political people, so that people can figure out where the money comes from, because mm -hmm. ultimately you can tell where the interests are, uh, probably who they're trying to manipulate and who they're trying to get in their pocket. 
Mm -hmm. uh, the second person is someone who's associated with our ranked choice voting uh, organization called Nathan Leach. He's a young oh, man. Yeah. He's <laughs> done some amazing things here early on in his uh, life. And he's been heavily involved in the battle over the rules uh, mm -hmm. being uh, altered at the beginning of the legislative session. And there's been many efforts to try to alter the way that uh, that uh, committees are assigned and that kind of thing. And uh, he's trying to keep the, the rules in a, a form that allows for a less partisan process. And he has an organization called Nonpartisan Nebraska. And I think Jack I read- Gould and Nathan Leach are my pedals. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I, I was gonna say, didn't I read that uh, they were successful in keeping the secret ballot that, that makes it, I can't remember right now if it was secret ballot for what I was think it it's for, for election committee uh, okay chairs excellent excellent so prick Sh time for you prick time shall we move on to pricks so my pricks this week are going to be Cruz and holly Cruz and holly uh not a big fan of <laughs> trying to pretend like uh lying to voters is is okay i i definitely do not see a way forward for the republican party if if we have people who are not going to just kind of own up and say, no, I, I was not being honest. And what else can you really say on that one? Um, I personally have tons of friends who are Republicans. I have tons of friends who have personal, you know, perfectly reasonable, good faith, conservative values that they can communicate to me in a way that we can, you know, discuss and have a strangest thing, disagreements on policy. Don't you remember that from back in, back in the day when you would just have a disagreement on policy with, with someone and it wasn't like, ah, oh, you hate America. It's like, yeah. yeah th and you go out the... and have a beer together afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Strangest yeah. thing, strangest yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, those are my pricks for the week. Cruz and Holly. My, my prick is, uh, I think you pronounce her name. Is it Slama? The, the legislative uh, representative so. we have from district one here in Nebraska. She's from Peru. Um, she has offered a couple of uh, legislative bills that I'm not real fond of uh, one more than the other, but she's uh, once again, trying to get voter ID in place, uh, which uh, we haven't really had any indication that is an issue here in Nebraska. No, so I, I've, the, I've been told that's one of those, uh, solutions looking for a problem exactly that's going usually on what in they, our state that's usually what they say and then the biggest one that annoys me is um she is offering legislation to make us a winner take all electoral college state again uh, we haven't been one of those since i can remember mm -hmm. uh, i don't know exactly when we uh, became a state that split our votes but if you look at the uh the concept of making democracy better it doesn't seem like a winner take all necessarily fits into uh, what is considered democratic. If you look at the numbers, and I, I wish I had them in front of me right now, but I know maybe 60, 70% of the people in the state voted Republican this time around. So does that mean five votes should go to the Republican candidate or does the four to one split come closer to representing what really mm -hmm. is the view of the people in Nebraska and does a better job of, of showing proportionately what our votes represented? Uh, it's not perfect, but it's good. It makes us relevant. There's a reason why the mm -hmm. political candidates stop in Omaha yep. while they stop in Council Bluffs and ask everybody to run across the, the river and go to a, a rally. It's because we matter. 
Yeah. And when they take that away, we will matter less. So yeah. uh, my prick for this, uh, this episode is Slama. So <laughs> please be more democratic. Yes. Uh, by chance, you should hear this. Yes. And after all, that really is our only purpose in this podcast is just let, let the people decide and, and have politicians tell us what they're going to do at their jobs. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit um, sick of hearing who politicians don't like. I want to say, I want, I just want to know, what are you going to do for us when you get yeah, to the, amen. when you get amen. to the office? Yeah. So, all right. So should we wrap it up? Yeah, wrap it up. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for joining us on our initial effort at a podcast. I hope we uh, continue to communicate with you in the future. I hope we have good guests. Uh, we're reaching out to talk to people. We're hoping to educate you and at the same time, try to be entertaining. Uh, I think I'm going to work a little on the entertainment aspect of things. I'll, and, uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> try, try to be uh uh, try to keep the wonkiness to a minimum, but uh, have enough of it there so you're smarter when you're done listening to us. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks. Thanks.